Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Understand that. Judges, if I said Joshua, I meant Judges, but Judges chapter number 3. I want to read uh, just a, some splattering of scripture uh, through chapter number three tonight, starting with verse, verse number 12. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered unto him the children of Ammon, Amalek. This is interesting to me because Moab within itself is a foe, but he gathers even some other players in the battle. Brings Ammon and Amalek in as well and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel serve Eglon, the king of Moab. This is a long time, folks. Eighteen years but when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord the Lord raised them up a deliverer Ehud the son of Gera a Benjamite a man left handed and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon the king of Moab skipping down to verse 20 it is just a little lengthy but just trust me and Ehud came unto him verse 20 and he was sitting in a summer parlor which he had for himself alone. And he had, and he had said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade. This is a little gruesome. And the fat closed upon the blade. Wow. So that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. And the dirt came out. We won't go into what that is. And verse 23, Then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. Skipping now to verse number 30, if you will. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. The land had rest four score years. Four score years. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew the Philistine 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. He also delivered Israel. For a little while this evening, I want to minister this with the help of the Lord. What didn't kill you may distinguish you. What didn't kill you may distinguish you. Will you help me right now? We need the touch of heaven to come down to this place this evening. Father, God, I come to you, Lord, this evening, and I understand, God, my position and place, and God, I understand who I am. God, and with that, I make my plea into the heavens. I'm asking, Lord, for your spirit. I'm asking, God, for some fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh anointing, God to blow into this place but let it not leave your people unscathed let it touch them influence them challenge them change them 
I pray, oh God, tonight, Lord, let this be more, God, than accountability of saying I was present on a Sunday night. Let this be, Lord Jesus, allowing my voice to be heard in the heavens. I pray, oh Lord, today, touch our minds, touch our hearts. Let your word do a work, God, upon our lives. Help us to intermingle with that precious word. God, that word that breathes a life, God, into our lives. God, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you, Jesus. God, put your mighty hand performing it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. And amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be, you may be seated this evening. I cannot this evening claim the responsibility or being the author and the origin of the title this evening because a few weeks ago as I was perusing the headlines of different news venues every once in a while outside of church I like to keep in contact with what's going on in the world and uh, those days are far and few be between but whenever I have a chance I do and as I was reading various news bulletins BBC News and uh, uh, Yahoo News and Associated Press there was uh, this title that caught my attention in my eye because the little blurb was just that what didn't kill you may distinguish you and the, 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 the scenario was this, is that it gave the blurb that a bullet to the head in 1917 at age eight was still there when he died in his sleep this week at age 103. The account was given of a man by the name of William Lawless Pace who died in his sleep at age 103 at Turlock Nursing Home, whenever I read it that week on Monday, for 94 years and six months after his older brother had accidentally shot him with their father's 22 caliber rifle in 1917 in his head the doctors back in 1917 of his hometown seen fit that they should not remove the bullet from his skull that they should not extract that but later that they should just leave it right where it's at because by extracting the bullet that was in his head that it would cause more harm and more difficulty for him than it would be if he would live his life with that bullet in his head. And the initial, the initial injury to him did affect one of his eyes. It did affect his facial nerves. But proudly, one of his sons said that it has not prevented dad from working and functioning a normal life. 
that for some many, many 94 years and six months, this man had sustained an injury years ago, a wounding, if you will, years ago. But the professionals and the physicians said, he's better off with it than he is without it. Someone say hallelujah. In so much that you can get the Guinness World Book of Records and he is the man that holds the record, amen, for living the longest with a bullet in his head. Living the longest, I tell you, I mean, what type of cloud is that? That I've lived the longest upon this world with a bullet in my head. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. So they weren't going to extract it. Amen. Give me back my monitor or something a little bit. Something's changed. Amen. Amen. So he didn't extract it, but they left it right there. And thus the, 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 the headline is as such, what didn't kill him. The caliper didn't take his life. The caliper didn't take his normal functionality of life. His caliper didn't pre prevent him from working as a normal man would work through hard labor, through toil, amen, by the sweat of his brow. Did not keep him from any of those things. But if anything, in his dying hour and even throughout the rest of his life, the thing that could have killed him did nothing but distinguish him. I got to preach to this church and to us tonight. Let me preach to the preacher here this evening because I believe there are things that arrive in our life and I have touched this at different times in the five years that I have been back home, folks. But we're at the same juncture again. And what I'm getting at is this. There are times we are where we are even right now and every individual's life is touched by something. They're touched by sickness. They're touched by disease. They're touched by financial woe. They're touched by heartache. They're touched by this. There's a wounding. There's an injury. There's despair. There's heartache. And if we would not allow ourselves or don't watch ourselves, this is the calamity of wounds and the calamity of injury and the calamity of weakness and the calamity of disease and the calamity of a bad report. We'll allow those things to define our life rather than distinguish our life because I feel like sometimes in the realm of the church all these things go on and sometimes rather than these things amen coming into our life and going on and living life with them that we allow them to define who we are we allow them to dictate who we are we allow them to dictate what we're going to do how we're going to function how we're going to respond but I'm here to tell somebody we'll get into the word just here a little bit I'm here to tell somebody today that if it hasn't taken your life if it hasn't wiped you off the map, it's here to distinguish you. It's here to set you apart. It's here to set you aside. It We read in scripture of this man. The Bible says a deliverer is rising at this time. The book of Judges was a constant scenario of a rise and a fall of the nation of Israel. Rising and falling. And many judges would come through the line. And the Bible says that now here is a judge that has arisen over Israel by the name of Ehud. Because the children of Israel has been under Moabite oppression for 18 years. Everybody say 18 years. 18 years, that's a long time. 
to be an oppression. And not was it just Moab, but Moab called a few of the buddies along. And he got Ammon alongside of him. And he got Amalek alongside of him. It would have been enough for Israel to sustain, if you will, some injury, some heartache by Moab himself. But he called in the buddies. Come on, Ammon. Come on, Amalek. Let's trouble the children of Israel. Has anybody in their life perhaps felt like lately that you've had more than one adversary on your trail? Has any everybody ever felt like that there was more than just Moab troubling you? That he's called Ammon over and Amalek over and I've been under oppression for a long, long time. Let me tell you what the vice of the enemy is this. Amen. He wants you to take your injury, your wound, whatever it is going on in your life. He wants that to become your definition, who you are. Amen. What you set your sail as. He wants it to define you. Amen. You know something that I believe that the Lord had trouble with in Scripture? The reason why he had so much compassion in New Testament Scripture as he walked along the, the seashore and the sands and he seen people in sickness and disease because everybody defined their life by their issue. Who is it? It's blind Bartimaeus. Who is it? It's the lady with the issue. Upon. Who is it? It's Naaman the leper. Their condition and what their trouble or problem with was in life became their definition of who they were. It just wasn't Bartimaeus, but it was blind Bartimaeus. It just wasn't Naaman, it was Naaman the leper. It just wasn't the lady, that the lady that had, you know, some problems. She had the issue of blood. Everybody was defined about what their problem was. And if we don't allow ourselves, we'll come in the church door, and yeah, there's the one, her husband's sick. And there's the one, they have financial problems. And there's the one, their business is not doing so well. And there's the one, they have cancer. And there's the, oh yeah. And we start defining not just one another, but it'll take over a church that we're the church that always has problems, that's always sick, that's always down on our luck. The word define, listen to me right now. The word define means this. Let me define define. How many times do you get to do that? The word define means this. Amen. From a word origins of etymology, going back to its origin, it means to end... Terminate, determine, limit, having the character of finality. Uh And people's allowing their problems to terminate them. Allowing your presence. Listen, folks, I'm not being insensitive. You know I preach for you at other times. But it's time us to find our bootstrap somewhere and pull up. You are allowing our issues, our problems, our injuries to limit us, to terminate us, to end us, to determine us. A character of finality, the final word in your life. I wonder if the man would have lived 103 years old if he got in his mind. I've been shot in the head. There's a bullet in my skull. I can't do anything. I can't work. I 
can't provide for my family. What's the use of exercising? I'm probably going to die soon anyway. I guarantee he would have a lesser life than what he did. But what he said was this. Hey, I've been shot. I've been injured. But I'm not going to let that define me. It may but distinguish me. But it's not going to terminate me. Someone say hallelujah. You know, I've seen in my experience, not just around here, but I've seen in my experience over the past years of my life that there'd be literal people to walk in church house doors and never get any further than where they're at because they got issues and they got problems that they're allowing to define their life. And although God has much more for them than that, they can't move beyond what the definition of life has given to them and what they've taken upon themselves. If they've been a sinner, they're always going to be a sinner. If they've been an alcoholic, they're always going to be an alcoholic. If they've been someone who smoked cigarettes, they're always going to be that because that's what defined them. If they've been a homosexual or a lesbian, they're going to allow that to define their life. Let me tell you, that does not have to be the case. If it hasn't killed you, honey, there's a new distinguishing that came upon me because the Bible says you have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. What happens here is Moab, here is Ammon, here is Amalek. They came in, they smote Israel in verse number 13. And look now, and they possessed the city of palm trees. Someone say, that's Jericho. The city of palm trees. This is Jericho. This is Jericho. This is the place, this is the city where they first conquered. Secondly in the land, sir, sorry, secondly in the land of God. This is where they came in and they conquered and the walls fell. But now someone has seized that territory. It is in Jericho. It's known as the city of palm trees. The finest of specimens of palm trees grew at Jericho. That palm tree in scripture that's described as flourishing and tall and upright. And in the book of Revelation and throughout God's word. The branches of the palm tree are symbols of victory. That's the reason why in the triumphal entry, whenever Jesus comes in riding in on that coat, everybody's running out saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they got their palm branches. What were they doing? They were proclaiming victory. That's the reason when there's a number that no man can number around the throne room of God in Revelation chapter number 7 as they're singing their praises and adoration to the master and rapture has already taken place. The Bible says those encircled around about the throne have palm branches where they did describing and proclaiming their victory. Whenever Moab and Ammon and Amalek came in and came against Israel, they possessed the city of palm trees. They possessed Jericho. If I could say it like this, they ensnared Israel's victory. I'm making them think this is who we are. This is what we are. We are an up and down people. We're an up and down society. We serve God one moment and we turn around and serve the devil the other. This is who we are. 
But there's a big difference between what defines you and what distinguishes you. The word distinguish means to separate between. It means literally from the old etymology, word origin, to separate by pricking. God raised up a deliverer by the name of Ehud. The Bible says he's of the tribe of Benjamin. He's the son of of Kara. The Bible shares with us explicitly that he is a man that is left-handed. Many of the Benjamites in Scripture, about 700 in one place, are spoken of as being left-handed. This was peculiar. It is today, but it's even more peculiar. In that day, here is Ehud. He's a man of a lesser important tribe we don't really you don't hear nothing of this man but right here in scripture personally he's really obscure and he is left handed if you look up the word left handed in scripture where it speaks of left handedness it is speaking that then an individual that is left handed are that because they are usually shut up if you will in their right hand or their right hand is obstructed or their right hand is impeded or that they have disease or disuse of the right hand in many cases they are left handed because the right hand has already been injured in battle and yet that man Ehud who may have started life right handed good with a spear good with a sword good with the battering ram somewhere along the way he became injured and rather than tucking his tail between his legs and going back home to his wife and saying honey My fighting days are over. Rather than doing that and allowing his injury to define him. He says, I'm going to learn how to wield weaponry with my left hand. I'm not going to allow my injury to define me. It may distinguish me because I won't be like everybody else. telling you today folks I'm telling you this for real there's people in here that's walking around with things defining who you are in God defining where you are in God setting your course and setting your path and you're accepting it as truth this is the way it is I've had too much of this happen in my life this is what my past has spelled to me and all of this has happened and this is my road this is what always happens and so it's defining you defining it's almost like looking in a Webster dictionary and you see definition one two three and honey the list just keeps going on and it just keeps defining you and as long as you sit back and let that take place you will always be what you always are right now but you got to come to terms with something, honey. Hey, I don't care how many times I've been shot, and I might still be carrying the bullet, so to speak, in my head. But what you've been through to this point of time has made you who you are. Amen. What, what you've experienced, ladies and gentlemen, it's made you who you are. That's here to distinguish you, to separate you, not to define your life. Because I speak against the spirit of definition for the first apostolic church. 
and the perimeters and the bounds and the termination and the character of finality that people want to put on the church. thankful for what God's done folks but God's not finished if you want to define first apostolic church yeah we're a small church and we're foreign and no more and that's the way we like that let me tell you something you better shut your mouth in my course of time around here for 22 plus years and then evangelizing I've heard it said before man I don't want to be alluring to somebody else that may be in a bigger church because I'm a smaller church Because the moment you say that, you struck up a wall right here to start putting perimeters. Where I'm at right now may distinguish me, but it don't have to define me. Hey, I've had the share of sickness in my body for the past two years. I was more sick in the past two years than what I was in six years on the evangelist field. I only remember one time maybe missing church, almost preaching every night in the evangelist field. And I missed more church than that in the past two years here. But that's not going to define me. Rhonda McGee, Rhonda Pinrod, fibromyalgia doesn't have to define you. I know I don't have it, but I'm just speaking overall, and I think I got biblical premise. Sugar diabetes does not have to define you. Your old age does not have to define you. Your financial problems does not have to define you. Your, your backslidden daughter doesn't have to define you. Your lost children does not have to. Your topsy-turvy marriage that you don't know is going to last another year. Ladies and gentlemen, that does not have to define who you are. Because we'll find ourselves and we'll come in and we'll talk about what's wrong. And we'll share our stories. Sometimes the Topper family even shows up. Tell you what happened to me this week, and then, well, let me tell you what happened to me. The Topper family shows up. I'll top that. You know, if you bled in your left arm, they bled in both legs and their arms. Please don't misunderstand me. That poor guy with a bullet in his head for 94 years wow didn't keep him from doing many things didn't keep him from having children 
it distinguished him, but it didn't keep him from didn't keep him from having children. He had it all those years. Can I say it like this? That some people will never see life without trouble because they wouldn't be distinguished as they are without it. Some people would not have a relationship with God had it not been for their trouble. And God has a good sense of humor because he wants you saved. And he knows to keep some people saved, he's going to have to keep them in trouble. Here's Eglon. He's sitting there. Here's Ehud. He's left-handed because he shut up in his right hand. He's weak there out of disuse or injury. Very abnormal. But he goes into the presence of Eglon, this great Moab, the king of Moab. He's sitting there. He has put oppression upon God's people for 18 years. They went for 18 years talking about where they are and their woe and all their dismay. And here is Ehud. He says, man, I've heard enough of this. He says, I'm shut up in my right arm, but I still got a left arm. I'm shut. I've been shot. I've been wounded. I've been hit. Hey, man, he said, but I can't allow this to define me. And he walks into the presence of that man of power and prestige that had all these other people surrounding him to help just frustrate the children of God. And as he went in, he had that dagger placed upon his right thigh underneath his garment that would usually be put upon his left thigh if he was right-handed. And as he went in there, I like what he said. Whenever he got a, a private audience, if you will, with the king, he entered there, and here's what he said. He says, I have a message from God for you. He says, I have a message from God for you. For 18 years you've possessed our city of victory. For 18 years you and your clan have had Jericho, that city of victory. And he reaches in under his garment and he grabs with his left hand. Hallelujah. Abnormal wasn't quite right. He wasn't the normal guy, but it is a distinguishing feature. He grabbed in with his left hand to his right thigh and he took that sword and plunged it into the belly of that king. And eventually that king died. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying somebody needs to take that part of their life that they said hey I've been injured and I can't do anything else you need to start using what isn't injured you need to start using what's not wounded you need to start using what hasn't been impacted in your what I'm saying tonight somebody needs to reclaim the city of your victory you've been walking through defeat long enough lady I'm quickly I'm trying I'm quickly coming to, to a close so she, Ehud operated in such a way that was kind of out of the norm for society distinguishing feature to be left handed shut up physically defect in the right hand from injury the thing that he thought perhaps would have been a hindrance in his life was found to be a source of some type of special gift 
so he kills the king. They've been under oppression for 18 years. And after this, the Bible says that they had rest in their land for fourscore years. Four score years. Eighteen years. They've allowed who they are or what has happened to define them. But one that arises say, hey, I'm not going to allow this to define me anymore. I'm going to do something about this. And after that fact, four score years, there's rest in the land. I asked this church and congregation tonight, how long are we going to allow circumstances and situations to define who we are? Because on the back side of that is some rest for this church. Because I believe we got in the mindset, if I'm not going through something, then somebody else has because that's First Apostolic Church. And I'm rebuking that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And that mentality in the name of Jesus. That says, hey, well, if we're not going through it, someone else's. Someone's always got, it does not have to be that way. I say, well, it's just where we live. And it's Mount Carmel. And that's the way it's going to be. Honey, I, I might be in Mount Carmel, but I'm not of Mount Carmel. I'm of a different country and a different land. Stand with me, I'm closing. There's nothing wrong with those things distinguishing you, setting you aside, setting you apart. Don't let them terminate you. Don't let them cause a word of finality to be spoken upon you. There is a vast difference. The disciples and the Lord and those that were observing, those who were coming by the, the place of treasury in the New Testament Scripture, there were men going by putting their stuff in. Men of respect and honor and perhaps a little bit of financial wealth going by and putting their stuff in. And lo and behold, a lady goes by and she puts in two mites. Here's where the difference is vastly seen. While everybody else was going by and putting something in, something in, what they were putting in was defining who they were. The lady, when she cast in her mites, that wasn't a definition of who she was. That was a distinguishment of who she was. Let's bow our heads in this place this evening. Musicians may come. If what's happened in your life up to this point in time hasn't killed you, honey, it may distinguish you. And God may leave it there because he finds out it would cause you more harm to remove it than it would to keep it right where it's at for some. 
But even with it being where it's at, for the man and the bullet in his head, he went on and he lived life to the ripe old age of 103. There's a lot of people without bullets in their head that's dying before 103. How could he do it? Because it wasn't going to define him. It was only going to be used to distinguish him. And I'm calling to this group of people, the people of the First Apostolic Church, or any guest that's here tonight, that may have been struggling and battling with some things, issues, circumstances, situations, things of your past that has come up and you've allowed them to start defining who you are. I'm here to tell you this evening it's time to change this. Our approach and our understanding. God, I'm not going to allow this to define me anymore. It may distinguish me, God, but I'm not going to allow it to define me. Let us speak a word of finality upon my life. I'm calling to First Apostolic Church as they prepare a song. I'm talking to the church tonight. We can go with a chain around our neck for years to come of being sick and being ill and always having problems and being blah, 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 blah. We can arise tonight and say, God, I'm not going to let that be the definition. The definition and the model that we try to get around here is where heaven and earth connect. Probably a soul-saving station, not the infirmary. These altars are open tonight. If anybody would wish to come, Brother Mason. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.